Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast. We are your favorite horror-obsessed stoner queens. We discuss and dismember the good, the bad, and the queer in our favorite horror media. I am your co-host, Raymond. I am Nick, and welcome to Carpenter Queens, everybody. Yes, everyone, welcome to episode three. Pew, 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 pew. I'm so we excited. We are here. We are sheer. Let's get into it. I, I've been super hyped to do this one. This one's going to be our first John Carpenter movie. Yes, this is our first uh, John Carpenter dissection, if you will. Um, and it's personally one of my favorites, uh, aside from Halloween, that's my number one. I don't know. This definitely makes top five for me, I feel like. And mm-hmm. uh, I hold it on in a high pedestal, but I know most people probably won't like it or didn't like it. Um, but we are dissecting John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Ooh, how exciting. First on the agenda is going to be our TCQ news update. I'm liking that name so far. I realized in the last episode, I apologize, that I kept saying Halloween horror news. And you assumed that I meant Halloween horror nights. Horror nights. My badness. I can yeah, see the I, Yeah, my, that's where my mind automatically went. And you kept like teasing me. Like my spidey sense kept going off. I kept... <laughs> um, this is like a scratch that's been waiting to itch because we didn't get a horror nights last year due to the pandemic, so. I know. And it's not looking good so far. Well, I did see an update in the news that according to Fauci, we could have 85% of the adult population vaccinated sometime by fall. So we could possibly have some realm of Halloween Horror Nights in the future. Cross cross. I mean, uh, Florida was able to pull off, you know, opening a few mazes at their park last year. And those mazes um, were interesting. I remember seeing a few videos and people talking about it because yeah, they, they would, were really cool. Because it was still masked. I remember that. And all mm-hmm. of the scare actors were behind a panel, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, so you, everybody you going, knew where the were coming from. Yeah. So everybody going in had to keep their masks on. Um, and anytime there was a live character, they had to put up a piece of plexi. Um, so yeah, you kind of always knew where somebody was coming out of, which kind of sucked. But um, the mazes that were opening were so visually stunning. Um, mm. And regardless of knowing where the scares were coming from, I feel like most fans were happy just to be able to experience it regardless. Because I forgot who, what's his name? Prince of Disney or something like that? Who do we follow oh, on Prince, YouTube? Prince Charming Dev. Prince Charming Dev. Hey, shout out. Because he was doing updates of that. And I remember watching his video that everyone was still masked up. I fully remember that. But you also had to get hand sanitizer on before you went into the maze and hand sanitizer after. Mm-hmm. which i guess thanks but it doesn't really make sense to me uh, yeah <laughs> i didn't get it either i was like i guess going inside sure but i don't understand why i need what am i touching I, right, right, exactly you're not supposed to be touching anything in there anyway no touching but... <laughs> no touching <laughs> i don't know that didn't make sense um but anyways back to our, our news update we totally went on a tangent Sorry. there First on our news update is going to be Edgar Wright. In our last episode, we talked about his movie. I found out a little bit more information. So Last Night in Soho is going to be his new horror flick. It's now genreed as like a psychological horror movie. Uh, it's going to be from Focus Fiction. Ooh, it's going to be from Focus Features. I like Focus Features. A lot of the stuff they've done, if I remember correctly, they did Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. That's what comes to mind as well, yeah. Every single time. But anyway, the update is that originally it was supposed to come out in April, but it just got pushed to October 22nd. So it looks like Falls looking like the new release date. A lot of other movies got pushed to this time period that I know of. Antlers got moved over there. And one other one, I will have to look that back up. But right now, more info we can find was Last Night in Soho is going to be starring Anya Taylor-Joy, who is fresh off of the uh, that chess TV show on Netflix. Oh, uh, Queen's Gambit. But it's still going to be set in London, Soho, during the swinging 60s. And apparently there might be like a time travel element going on. Sure, why not? It's Edgar Wright. I will follow where he <laughs> at this point. It's it's giving me, um, just said on the description, it's giving me Austin Powers vibes. Okay, name. Austin Danger Powers. 
Sex? Yes, please. Because it's set in the 60s. <laughs> There's possibly time travel involved. Are you feeling randy, baby? <laughs> also, sorry, uh, anyone, if you can hear my iced coffee, I am gay as fuck. And yes, it is 30 degrees outside, but I don't care. I need my fuel. Why? Because the queer never gets cold. <laughs> um, next up is Eli Roth and his fellow horror makers, excuse me, fellow horror filmmakers will continue diving into the horror genre with an upcoming third season of Eli Roth's History of Horror, um, which is usually streamed on AMC, which I am super excited for because I've watched the other two seasons. They are great. It's very similar to what me and you go for here, where they sit around and talk about their favorite horror movies. But I mean, they do it with like famous people and actual filmmakers. <laughs> so they've um, got a little bit of heads up. But if anyone hasn't seen it, I'm sure it's still on Shutter. I remember. Yes, correctly. it is still on Shutter. I love Shutter. Shutter, please sponsor us. I am oh, the yes. biggest fan of Shutter. Shutter, we are fans. <laughs> But um, um, Eli Roth history of horror is fantastic, and it looks like we're getting six more hour-long episodes coming on later in this year. But the episodes are so exciting. So they have new uh, topics that they'll be covering. Um, so from what you dug up, it looks like the new topics are going to be uh, sinister psychics, uh, infections, uh, mad scientists, apocalyptic horror, sequels that don't suck, which sounds really <laughs> good to me. And then my favorite, which I'm really excited for, is there going to be like a whole episode dedicated to holiday horror. Which I think it'd be a whole documentary them. series within itself. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited. But from what they've already shown so far, it's wonderful. They also have a podcast that's fantastic. Just oh, yeah, as well. yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend anyone who even has like an inkling of an interest in horror, please check out Eli Roth's History of Horror. It's so fucking good. So good. Up next, it looks like Robert Rodriguez and is going to be turning out another edition of their From Dusk Till Dawn franchise, I guess you can call it at this point. Uh, it is turning 25 years old this year, which makes me feel so old. I, I love From Dusk Till Dawn. I'm the biggest Robert Rodriguez fan. Yes, even the Spy Kids, some of the other movies. Oh, yeah. And I'm still a shark boy in Lava Girl Stan. Well, <laughs> I don't care. I'm so for it. But the fact that he's doing another iteration of this, because if anyone doesn't know, is El Rey, the TV series, still up? I actually haven't looked into it in a long time. Oh, the the the, the TV channel? Yeah. Uh, Robert uh, the Rodriguez network? Can... Mm-hmm. I, I believe it is, because that's where... Oh, no, no. That's going to be on AMC. I don't know. I don't have cable anymore. So <laughs> I don't know if the El Rey network is still up. Well, with this new iteration, it looks like we are going to be getting an animated series. I don't know how much you can, can keep retelling the story because From Dust Till Dawn originally came out with him and Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. way back in the 90s with George Clooney. It's really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Sama Hayek is and a Sama sexy, Hayek. Oops, sexy killer vampire. And then they turn that into a TV series. And I watched a few episodes. It was fairly good. It just expands the lore and the movie into, I think, eight episodes. And now they're turning it into an animated series. And I really hope they don't rehash the main story. Just continue on with, like, your lore. Because the lore is really fucking cool. Yeah. But I need I need more from it. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure why they're going this route with it. <laughs> this is not anything I would have done. If anything, I would have preferred a sequel or a prequel to the original. Um, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of prequels. Uh, well, I mean, if if, any, if I were to trust anybody to do it, I would trust Robert Rodriguez. You know how very yeah. hands-on he is. He's hands-on with the story, hands-on mm-hmm. with everything. He does everything, it's including everything in post. He composes his own music. He edits himself. Like, he has his own production house. Have you ever um, read his autobiography? No, but r- regardless, I mean, From Dusk huge, and it spawned its own series, and even at the time, they even had a, a Halloween Horror Nights maze, which um was actually pretty well done i remember having a lot of fun in there before i forget to bring it up rubble without a crew is his book about how he made el mariachi i remember you telling me about this it is so good i highly recommend anyone read it it's essentially his journal of his whole process how he got the money to make el mariachi he really is a one-man army he fucking did everything himself he went Mm -hmm. through different testings like medical testings he was in a hospital for a month to get enough funding to make el mariachi 
Oh my it's God. So, what? It's so crazy. So he, I believe he made El Mariachi. I want to say maybe off of 15,000 and he made it super Holy on the cheap. Shit. He's fascinating. I really recommend um, reading his journal entries, I guess, because he turned rubble without a crew into a TV series, which also aired on El Rey. Yes, and I, I fucking that. loved that show. I can't find it anywhere, but it was just a reality show about a whole bunch. I think like four filmmakers having to do the same exact shit. You get this X amount of money and it's only you and one other person make it work. That's amazing. That's crazy. I remember that series. I remember you telling me about how good it was. Um, it was on Tumblr for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. You did send me like mm-hmm. a Tumblr link. I remember that. Anyway, segueing, but not segueing <laughs> into our next topic. Um, the Velocicoaster at Universal Studios Orlando is close to finishing. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Expected to open summer 2021. Coaster has been seen testing uh, the train and area's lighting packages. Plus, one of the Raptor figures on the right has been unwrapped. It's so nerdy. I love it so much. But it's looking <laughs> like it's going to be Florida's, quote, Florida's fastest and tallest launch coaster when it opens up sometime in the summer. They have not given us an ag- exact date, which I don't blame them. I still can't believe Florida is going to go through with it. But I also can't believe Florida is going to go through with it. <laughs> How do you feel about a Velocicoaster? How do you feel about another Jurassic Park ride? Oh, I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan. So I'm 100% here for it. Even though I'm not a roller coaster fan, um, I'm a huge chicken. I'm a big, uh, I don't like heights. So I'm probably not going to get on it. But it's pretty to look at. And I appreciate all the attention (laughs) to detail. And I'm here for the theming. Those films were big cash cows. And it brought in not only revenue, but it brought in a whole new, younger fan base for the series because that movie the first movie came out in what like 94 or something like that like i was still a kid yeah i want to say maybe 92 yeah so i was still young at the time so it it, the new the the new entries in the series have i feel brought in a whole new fan base so of course they're gonna want to cash in on that and give the fans what they want i mean i'm not gonna be able to get on it anytime soon i ain't going to florida fuck that shit right now no hell no fuck no The last in our updates for the news, it looks like the first images of Michael Myers got dropped from Empire. They were the first to report. It looks fantastic. I am so excited for a burned, mm-hmm. mauled Michael Myers, I guess. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Halloween, Halloween the 2018 iteration. Michael was supposed to die, but of course he doesn't die. And the first pictures that were released is that he's walking out of the fiery house that Jamie Lee Curtis set for him mm-hmm. and it is quite the photo well I'm assuming it's a still from what they're actually shooting mm-hmm. um and it looks it looks great I mean obviously we're a little biased because we're both huge Halloween nerds but, but it looks coming great from they... two big Halloween nerds I still liked this one I know there was a big uproar about this 2018 version mm-hmm. I mean no matter what you're never going to please everybody and mm-hmm. I 100% would prefer this 28 iteration over fucking like resurrection or you have even... it out for resurrection. It's probably my least favorite in the entire series. I would take the fuck, I would take uh, the Paul Rudd one over oh, resurrection. You take that back. No, I will not take it back. I said it. I said what I said. I said what I said. I will die on the hill. That is resurrection. I don't care. That's- <laughs> According to Empire, I'm going to change the subject because I'm going to want to rant about. (laughs) According to Empire, they quoted uh, David Gordon Green stating, this film is about community fear, paranoia, misinformation, and crowd panic. How 2020? Seriously, I love it. He also stated, this movie is a great popcorn genre movie and not really any kind of statement, but it's strange how things line up. It couldn't be a more interesting time to release a movie like this. And Lord is correct. I'm you so can excited. tell I'm I'm so hyped. It I need this. I need this this year. So that looks like that's going to be our update for the TCQ news. We will keep you up to date as the great reporters that we are. I'm Gail Weathers signing off. I hate you. You <laughs> want to be Gail Weathers so bad. I don't care. She's my favorite character, like ever written. Her lines are my fucking favorite. Move your Moving on from your tarnished brand, let's get to the topic at hand, which is 2001's John Carpenter's 
Ghosts of Mars. It was supposed to be a routine prisoner transport. Williams was arrested on the suspicion of murdering six rail workers. The bodies were hung and decapitated. But here, a million miles from home. Hello? Anybody here? Drop your weapon. I ain't going back. They're about to discover nothing is what it seems. The movie that single-handedly kind of made John Carpenter made made him want to stop making movies. He took a nine-year hiatus from Hollywood because of this fucking movie. This movie was released on August 24th, 2001. It was distributed by Screen Gems. It feels like a Screen Gems movie, even the way that it's edited. <laughs> feels like a Screen Gems movie. Uh, it has a run. It's a total shade. I don't care. I'm going to put that shade rattle right there. <laughs> It has a runtime of 98 minutes. To be honest, it doesn't feel like 98 minutes, and that's not shade. It's just, they just pack in a lot of shit within that tight 98-minute mm-hmm. time frame. It's quick. You kind of you you breathe, not really through space and time with this fucking movie. Breathe, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of conflicting feelings about this movie. Uh, our taglines. Do you want to do the taglines? I love when you do the taglines. Mm, okay. <clears throat> so the taglines are some of my favorites. So uh, you don't stand a ghost of a chance. It's their planet. We are the aliens. How controversial, by the way. I just have to add that in. Continue. <laughs> Terror is the same on any planet. Forget the rules, abandon your fears, save your soul. Great, great taglines. I would have have bought two tickets. My favorite is terror is the same on any planet. So does that mean Saturn's fucked up too? Oh, Saturn's totally fucked up. Saturn's like probably the worst out of all of them. Look at all them rings. Uh, Of course, directed by John Carpenter. This is our first Carpenter Queen's Carpenter Flick. Yes. It looks like it's also written by Larry Sulkis, who I really couldn't find much on, and then John Carpenter. It stars Natasha Hens. Ooh, that what? Again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha Henstridge as Lieutenant Melanie Ballard, who's better known for her character work in Species. Species is one of those movies that my homo brain just couldn't comprehend. I'm like, oh sexy female horror hmm not for don't me don't know her <laughs> <laughs> never was her never about her it also stars uh, ice cube as desolation williams my yes. notes literally says it's fucking ice cube i don't feel like i need to explain but most well known for the friday series and you know this Man, which he also helped write, and Boys in the Hood. Uh, fuck, no, he did uh, write Friday. I thought he helped. Whatever he, his words are in there. And then, uh, known from his rapping career to movie into family friendly <laughs> comedy <laughs> as he's gotten older. Yeah, but don't forget, I think this might have launched not launched, but kind of this was like him dipping his toe in horror because then he did a Anaconda. Yeah, he Anaconda. I think was ninety nine. Oh, was it before this? Let me. Oh, so that try. was him dipping his toe in. And this was him saying, you know what? I love this so much. <laughs> Let me go back for more. Yeah. Anaconda came out in 97. Oh, okay. Yeah. He loved horror movies so much with J-Lo. He's like, you know what? I need to come back for John Carpenter. Moving on. Jason Statham as Statham. Sergeant Jericho Butler. Also in my notes, it says it's fucking Jason Statham, uh, known for Crank, Mm-mm-mm. two years ago, The Meg, The Transporter, The Italian Job. I would do dirty, Mm-mm. dirty, dirty things to him. The worst, the most oh. disgusting, vile things. All of them. Kick, kicked out of church because of this guy. Also starring Clea Duvall as Bashira Kincaid, which has got to be one of the most Shira. unique character names I've ever heard. She sounds and... like she's supposed to be a cast member from uh, what are they called? Thundercat. <laughs> That's um my favorite is hearing Pam Greer shout Bashira um in the movie. Oh, I know exa- I know you're doing what senior um, mm-hmm. talking about and we'll get to it. But she's like, 
hopefully you can get the audio from it but she's like Bashira Bashira <laughs> anyways uh so Clay Duvall is Bashira Kincaid who is better known for I mean I feel like me and you both know her from multiple movies because we've watched almost her whole filmography um but she's um I know her from the faculty where she plays uh Stokely uh she's also in but I'm a cheerleader girl interrupted and apparently the grudge yeah apparently to according to her IMDb she plays Jennifer but I I don't remember much of the grudge it wasn't one of the remakes that really stuck with me the ring stuck with more but she also wrote and directed technically last year's The Happiest Season that new Christmas movie that came out on Hulu really yeah with Kristen Stewart and uh, was fucking fantastic I loved it it was it was really good movie and then it looks like we also have Pam Greer as Commander oh. Helena Braddock wow I Braddock. cannot say things she of course known from freaking Jackie Brown hello and her work on the L word and Mars attacks not to mention all her her early 70s work in the black exploitation films like uh Co- I don't know if it's pronounced coffee or Kofi um Foxy Brown. Living legend. Mm -hmm. And rounding out the cast is Joanna Cassidy as Whitlock, mainly known from Blade Runner, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Six Feet Under. I mainly know her from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I'm right on top of that, Rose. Okay? Same. (laughs) I gasped so loud when she picked her head up when when she was revealed in that scene i was like Uh i'm right on top of that rose (laughs) with her little like almost pixie cut (laughs) continuing on with our production notes it looks like the special effects were done by howard berger i mainly known for winning an oscar for the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe fantastic makeup i even still really loved the makeup design in this movie it is so distinct and it's so like erotic snm weird vampire creatures that the mars like the martians have i fucking love it he's also yeah. known for kill bill he also worked on predator aliens Pumpkinhead. and the biggest notes that i have from it is that he worked with rick baker for winning an oscar on uh, 1987's <laughs> harry and the hendersons yes harry and the hendersons oh so going on to reviews uh, the reviews were not great um so according to imdb it's got a 4.9 out of 10 metacritic gave it a 35 out of 100 rotten tomatoes get a 21 percent on the tomato meter 24 percent audience score i don't really know how that works the the tomato score is usually like published reviews and what happens that way the audience score is just people who go under rotten tomatoes and like cast their vote onto oh, it oh got it got it Mm-hmm. Um, in the box office, it made $14 million, um, adjusted for inflation. That's roughly $20 million by today's standards. Um, mm-hmm. But it <laughs> did not, sadly, make its budget back. It had a budget of $28 million, which adjusted for inflation actually comes to $41 million. Isn't that ridiculous? You lost yeah. $20 million. And I feel like it's so bad. We'll get into it as to why this movie didn't work in the theaters. Because I think watching it now... I, I absolutely adore it. I think watching it in 2001, I can understand why people were like, what the fuck is this? This is John Carpenter. Continuing on with our production, it looks like filming began in August, on August 8th, 2000, ended on Halloween in 2000, which I found <laughs> hilarious for John Carpenter. But the biggest hubla about this movie, and it feels that way, you can totally feel like this movie was scrapped from something. It was originally intended as a sequel to escape uh, escape to LA in 96 unfortunately the film didn't do as well as they were hoping so they kind of scrapped it but the scripts are pretty much exactly the, sca- the same instead of Snake being the original lead it was changed to Desolation Williams and for some reason the studio behind it insisted on Ice Cube getting this part and I have a lot of feelings about Ice Cube in this movie We'll get to it once we continue (laughs) on with that. Oh, God. Some more behind-the-scenes tidbits was that Courtney Love was originally cast as the main lead of Lieutenant Melanie Ballard. Isn't that insane? I did not... I didn't know that. Oh my God, can you imagine what what a hot mess it would have been if they had actually cast Courtney Love as a love interest? Well, she was doing a lot of films at this time, apparently, which is why they had more faith in it. But I can't picture Courtney Love in like an action film for some reason. I just can't or do it. Or any John Carpenter film for that matter. 
Well, the only reason why she left was because her then boyfriend's ex-wife ran over her foot w- with her car. <laughs> <laughs> only something that could happen to Courtney Love. <laughs> Wait, hold on, let's let's reread that for anybody who didn't catch it the first time. Courtney Love was originally cast, but left due to her then-boyfriend's ex-wife running over her foot in her car. I I don't know. Only Courtney Love. You are correct. Apparently, because she couldn't do it, she had to drop out. And that's when we had uh, Natasha come in, and she was fresh off of filming two movies back-to-back. During filming, they had to go put production on hold for two weeks because she passed out due to exhaustion. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. She was working herself hard to get on this movie. I mean, with Oscar-winning performances in Ghost of Mars, I can see why she was putting herself through the <laughs> ringer. Another fun tidbit is Jason Statham was originally cast as Desolation Williams, but it was given to Ice Cube for quote-unquote star power, Yahoo! and Statham instead played Jericho Butler. I... I want to get into this. For Ice Cube's character as Desolation, I'm not going to lie. It took me like halfway through him being in the movie for me to like him. He's not a, like a, a very flushed out character. So like it, it kind of takes like, you a minute to kind of get on his side. Because obviously like in the movie, he plays a prisoner who's mm-hmm. supposed to be transported to like another prison, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's already off the bat, like the anti-hero you know you have to grow to like him and so yeah it does take you a minute to warm up to him see but even the anti-hero like caricature not really caricature but the anti-hero like quality that if this was going to be another escape from mars if this is what we were going to get with um kurt russell Russell, Jesus fucking Christ on a cracker. How dare you? I know. And I used to have the biggest bonner for Kurt Russell. Still do. Still do. If we had Kurt Russell in this role, I feel like he has that charisma to pull off an anti-hero. That's what Snake was. Snake wasn't someone that initially you would have wanted. And he becomes this fucking amazing, incredibly hot hero with Ice Cube. I feel like it's just Ice Cube being Ice Cube for the first part of his role. Yeah. And then he becomes like an action hero. I just like, I don't believe him in that role. Granted, it's fucking Ghost of Mars. While Ice Cube was just like, I'm Ice Cube. And it took Ice Cube like a hot minute before he like, I feel like settled on his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the first two seconds, they were in my notes. When we finally get to see Ice Cube, I want to say within like 17 minutes of getting into the movie, he does his famous eyebrow thing within like two seconds of being on the screen. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, here we are. Here's Ice Cube. There it is. There it is, everybody. But finishing off my notes, though. he was so hot. He's so hot. That mm-hmm. His son is so hot. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. O'Shea mm-hmm. Jackson. Fuck yes. He was so good in Ingrid Goes West. And uh, Straight Outta Compton. I think his dad, hello. It works for me. Continuing on, and last of my production notes is that, of course, unfortunately, John Carpenter revealed that after the movie's failures, he had become inspired. He had like lost inspiration and decided that after this film, he was going to leave Hollywood for good. And unfortunately, we wouldn't get him back until 2010 with his film, The Ward, which also did not unfortunately do as well. It did not do well at all. He famously it, quoted stating that uh, he intended the movie to feel bad. He's quoted saying it's called Ghost of Mars for Christ's sakes. So it's meant to feel like a cheesy exploitation movie, but I feel like lines got crossed and it was meant mm-hmm. to be too real. Ice Cube's also quoted saying that like John Carpenter dropped the ball. The special effects could have been better on that. First off, Mr. What? Ice Cube. The special effects are amazing. It's just that no one kind of knew that they were playing a cheesy movie and everyone was trying to play a serious movie. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think that some lines got crossed and maybe obviously John Carpenter went for one style and I think the, um, not the producers, the distributors tried to sell it as like a serious, like action-packed horror film. New John Carpenter. Yeah, when movie. really he was going for like, Almost camp, I want to say. We're borderline camp because I want to discuss their breathers in a second, but let me finish out my notes. Uh, The last of my notes I had to include because I thought it was fucking great. The weekend that it opened, it opened at number nine. Um, 
first three in the box office was American Pie 2, which was in its third week, Rush Hour 2, which was in its fourth week. It still lost to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which was in their first week. How about a nickel bag? Oh, 15 bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. Nong, 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 nong. <laughs> That's terrible. That's, yeah, people were not jazzed about this movie. Other movies were The Others, Hello, Nicole Kidman, Rat Race, Summer Catch, and Princess Diaries, which was also in its fourth week. And then I have no idea what Captain Corral's man- mandolin is. Captain, it looks like it says Captain Corelli's man. I have never heard of this movie. Captain Corelli's mandolin. To say it, I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. That's pretty sad. Uh, I'm not saying that this is a great movie by any means, but wow. Okay, so listeners, like, I need to let this be known that. Ray and I are some of the biggest fans of quote unquote bad movies. I adore cheesy. I adore bad acting. I love to laugh at something. And I feel like these types of Ghost of Mars is in that. It's called Ghost of Mars. What kind of ghosts? Like even, okay. You know what? We're just going to get into it. So wait, hold on. One more quick note that we forgot to mention, which is, I think, huge, a production note, is that Greg Nicotero was on the makeup team for this movie. Greg Nicotero um, was in this makeup. Obviously, this is, like, pre-Walking Dead, pre-him becoming, like, a toy de force, not only within the makeup community or special effects makeup community, but he also became, like, a writer-director. Like, now he's a producer on The Walking Dead. So, Greg Nicotero, hello. So... The whole movie is essentially told through flashbacks. Lieutenant Melanie Ballard is found in a ghost train. Everybody on board's missing. For some reason, she's handcuffed to this train. It is the 22nd century on Mars. And it says like 84% of it has been terraformed. And it's just humans being humans trying to, you know, scavenge a land and take what's not theirs, essentially. What it comes down to the whole movie is told through Natasha essentially being questioned from this matriarchal court about what the fuck happened to her. And they found her high. You think it's funny? No, Gamer, not like- you think it's funny? Well, I don't think it's funny. High, high. You're both high. Right. They say that um, when they found her on the train that they, she had illegal drugs in her system. Um and yeah you're right for some reason the whole movie is told in flashbacks nothing but flashbacks and narration which is a bad there's a thing. flashback within a flashback within a, i'm not kidding there's you're a flashback <laughs> of a flashback that goes into another flashback and goes back to the original mm-hmm. flashback. flashback we got to crack gretchen wieners we crack gretchen and then we crack the lock on regina's whole dirty history say crack again crack we're not joking we're not joking when we say that this movie is ridiculous because even richard this was richard's first time watching it as well and he was just like hi richard he was like there's another flashback within a flashback (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah it got a little ridiculous but i mean i didn't get lost i don't know did you get lost okay so no i I didn't get lost i just so the my problem with my biggest problem with this movie isn't that it's cheesy, isn't that the special effects are crazy, and they are. My biggest problem with this movie is that it tells its secrets before you get to know that it's a secret because it opens with her handcuffed. So she's clearly the one that makes it out. Someone put her in that chair mm. and they re- drop a lot of reveals. So when it's supposed to be revealed that she gets stuck on the train or that she's high and all these other things, they don't feel like reveals because they're told to already. <laughs> yeah i have i just the flashbacks work but they're used a little too much because it's also used at points when they go back to like certain plot points so the movie likes to do this like divulgent of like oh yeah Uh uh-huh yeah so lieutenant melanie ballard when she's telling her story it's her and her group of people clay duvall jason statham and uh Pam Greer. Greer, Thank you. Pam Greer. And they're all part of the Mars uh, police force. Is that what they are? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I would call them Mars PD, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm gonna call up. I don't know what number would be Mar- for Mars PD. Uh, 
they're called excuse me called <laughs> breathers and they breathe into their backpacks and then all of a sudden because of these magical goggles they can breathe i i looked at this goddamn screen like i'm high right now right like they're not goggles no that's 100 percent what happened it's <laughs> then they talk it's about pretty it. ridiculous Captain, we've been attacked by some sort of force ray. Space air is flooding in. Right. Goggles on. Yeah, they do mention it because they're like, oh, eventually, you know, you might get a little lightheaded or eventually you get over the headaches or whatever. But they're like, yeah, you know, you should be happy we have these breathers before we used to have to do, I forgot what she said. Like a full helmet breather. Oh, yeah. So this is so much better. Yeah, but you'll have a migraine for a fucking month was her exact quote. I was like, excuse me. (laughs) It's my eyeballs breathing for me. I need to know and I needs to know now. Yeah, that part was pretty hilarious. But I felt like that should have been a cue for everybody. Oh, oh, this is stupid. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, continuing on, they go to essentially the boonies of Mars. And I had to pull this quote up because when they get there, it essentially just looks like New Mexico. And it was New Mexico. <laughs> uh, yeah. They had to dye all of this dirt red with like food coloring in order to get the look that they were hoping for but when they get there it's completely isolated they don't know where anyone's at and lieutenant melanie like i had to write down what she said because it's so fucking weird she's quoted saying yeah friday night the place should be packed i mean a whole 12 hours before sunup and there's money to burn horse to fuck and drugs to take instead we got a (laughs) graveyard who james john 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 carpenter Mm -hmm. were you going through some shit are you kidding me? That is straight up John Carpenter's whole theory on life. I feel like even in his old age, he has not changed when one bit he's still 100% rock, uh, punk rock to his core. I feel like I fucking love it. But that's what's so interesting about this movie. And especially, I need to talk about it the soundtrack. The soundtrack <gasps> is so fucking rock and metal influences. It mm-hmm. is possibly one of my favorite parts about this movie. Because, of course, the music was done none, by none other than John Carpenter. So, of course, he killed so it on the good. score. He really did. It just, it shreds so fucking hard. The action sequences in this movie are some of my fucking favorite. It's probably the best parts about this movie. Because when they get there, can you explain how these monsters are created on this place? Oh, so, okay. So these monsters, I guess, are paranormal, like ancient demonic spirits that were... I wouldn't call them parasites because they were, I remember, so, okay, they're mining on Mars. That's what happens. They come, they, the police officers are in a mining town. And what happened is the miners went, like, I guess they dug too far and they reached like this ancient entity that was dwelling inside the caves and it was released. And I don't know if you remember from the movie, all of like, you just see like this like ghost fog almost like drifting out from the mines into into like the valleys where all the workers were and the, the workers are trying to like run away and the, the like fog engulfs them and they become possessed almost I want to say that's what they kept explaining because when they get to the this mining town it because it's isolated they can't find anyone and when they do find people they have they're like this weird cross between like drugged out and possessed because mm-hmm. everyone is they're like stages so like the first stage is like everyone looks like they're trip trip tripping balls on this mm-hmm. goddamn place. They're seeing red, and then when they go into another portion, they start like carving and mutilating. Yeah, it's wild. It, the special effects are really fucking cool. It's really neat to see like swords and people's cheeks. It's very Hellraiser. It's very they, Hellraiser. yeah. Some of the people, excuse me, some of the characters like decorated themselves with like. Uh, fish hooks and metal rods going through their skin any um i remember one of the uh guys who gets possessed in the jail because he doesn't have access to tools he just starts using his fingernails it can feel pain and it is fingernails fingernails really to cut into his skin and decorate himself with his own blood it's the body horror in this movie is solid it's yeah it's got great qualities movie even though it's not a a fantastic movie it's got great concepts and great qualities 
mm-hmm. um, that could have worked in an otherwise ideal situation. I'm glad that you brought up the concepts. So the, my biggest takeaway from the movie was that it kind of feels like a like John Carpenter's making odes to his other movies because when the action sequences start, they feel very like Assault on Precinct 13. It feels yes. very uh, They Live. The action is lit. One of my favorite action sequences is when they're held up in the jail when they finally find Ice Cube. They're essentially fighting back against the horde of Martians. (laughs) And Uh they keep swapping back and forth between uh, Lieutenant Melanie and Desolation Williams. They keep shooting him down and then they switch with Cloud Duval and that one other guy character that no one ever really knows his name. Yeah. The not not Jason Statham. not Jason Statham, they keep switching back and forth and the action in that sequence is so good because it's just hordes and hordes of these gross possessed like Martian things and they keep mm-hmm. shooting them down and it the sequence it builds and it's so fantastic to see. So it feels like John Carpenter's like action sequences and then you brought up the fog that possesses these people. It feels like the fog, the fog. just <laughs> red and uh it, it just feels like a John Carpenter being like, these are the things that I really like. And I guess that can kind of aid in his, uh, he stated that he wasn't inspired and wanted to keep working during this time period. And I feel like that kind of shows because it, it's just like rehashing. He was, just, mm-hmm, he was relying that on that body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he kind of was just like, oh, well, this worked from the fog and this worked from this and this worked from that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally see that. It was kind of just like a big quilt of his filmography up until that point. I love that. Um, yeah, it does feel like a big quilt. Like a big, um, what, I would buy that. I would buy the fuck out of a John Carpenter <laughs> quilt. Are you kidding me? Uh, I, copyright, I'm copywriting that. I'm going to make those. That and pending. Uh, also, um, I'm glad you brought up the, the action sequences because this is a very action-packed uh, mm-hmm. movie. And Richard, my partner, didn't know that, or he didn't realize that John Carpenter was like actiony. Like he didn't realize that John Carpenter directed so many action films. I was like, "Yeah, babe, there's like Big Trouble in Little China, Big Trouble in Little China, your favorite, Assault on Precinct 13, Escape from New York. Like all those are very action-heavy movies. Um, so for anybody who hasn't dived into John Carpenter's discography, he's he got a lot of, <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of action films under his belt." I think that's the saving grace for me in this movie. Um, it is ridiculous. And if you go in with the intention to just like have a popcorn movie, that is what you're going to get out of mm-hmm. this. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. If you try to go in with the seriousness, you're never going to find anything <laughs> because when they find yeah. Ice Cube, essentially that's when the storyline starts happening because they just keep finding all of these dead bodies and everyone's mm. freaking out. And we can finally talk about Pam Greer yelling at Cloud Duval. <laughs> when they when they get there, they keep finding all of the miners in this town essentially strung upside down with their heads cut off. And when they mm-hmm. first interact with it, Cloud Duval, because she's the rookie character, goes like traumatized and doesn't move. Catatonic, just like <laughs> it's in shock of the gore that is in front of her. And Pam Greer and the other, the not Jason Statham, make their way into, I I forgot where they were. There was like a bank or something that they had went into. I think it was a bar. Um, And so they're making their way in. And obviously, Clay Duvall's, you know, catatonic at the front door. So she can't make her way any further in. And Pam Greer just turns to her and goes, Bashira! Bashira! Because she's so like lost. And that's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. I don't know why, but I love the way Pam Greer says Bashira. Speaking of Pam Greer, I feel like she was, the parts that she was in, she was fantastic. And then we lose her so fast. We don't get a proper yeah. death for her character. No, she gets an off screen death. She gets an off screen death, which is a disgrace to Pam. Excuse oh, me. Yeah. So we touched upon this earlier and then we got too involved. We talked about the movie doing flashbacks to go back to certain like plot points and divulge mm-hmm. different paths. That's when we lose Pam. The movie likes to show us what Lieutenant experienced and then it'll flash back to right before they split up and then we'll see what that character experienced. And I feel like it kind of like, it loses the momentum of it the does. movie. 
it like yeah. has to backtrack and i'm not the biggest fan of that i yeah. am not the fan of the flashback technique i'm looking at you bewitched did you watch bewitched with nicole kidman and will ferrell probably didn't uh, will ferrell. fuck no i did not watch that <laughs> i'm gay and i watched it but that whole movie the last hour can be cut because she does 40 minutes and then she does a flashback to a certain point and then we get another section and that's how i felt about this movie is that the flashbacks aren't necessary just tell us just like don't don't go back to the same plot point it it, it doesn't need the rehashing no i feel that's, that it was that's when we it was kind of jarring mm-hmm. yeah it was jarring and i don't know if they they did that as a solution to an obstacle they might have had during production or during editing but yeah it wasn't my it was it was a choice bitch <laughs> the yeah. flashbacks was a choice choices speaking of editing there's this editing choice of like showing a sequence but chopping it up there have been multiple times in the movie where like lieutenant is like she's just walking in a hallway and it's so it looks like they did it one single take but then they paused it and then she's at a different point in the hallway and then they're right back where she was. And then they cut it and then she's down a different part of the hallway. It, it makes the film re- feel really choppy. This movie is really choppy. The edits are weird and they kind of have that like Windows 98, like fade in, fade out type <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's cause all the fucking flashbacks, bitch. You have to do a fade in, fade out for a flashback. Well, is that like, I'm guessing John, Car- John Carpenter knows what he's doing. I'm guessing it's intentional just because we're using Lieutenant Melanie as the way to understand the story. So do you think we're just drugged and we're just like phasing through all these different sequences? Uh, possibly. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think we're thinking too much about it or they didn't think enough. Who knows? Yeah. We can finally talk about Ice Cube. I need to talk about Ice Cube. How do you feel about Ice Cube as an, as an action hero, essentially? He's the main anti-hero no um was not here for it um i think we mentioned earlier it took us a minute to warm up to ice cube's character he was very unlikable he was like an anti-hero and then when it finally comes time for the action scenes in my opinion it didn't he didn't deliver (laughs) like i remember specifically it was when they finally make their way out of the jail or the excuse me they finally make their way out of um the police station they're running to the train station because the train's supposed to be there for them to take them out of the city. And when they get to the train station, of course, the train's not there. Nope. And by this point, um, the miners, uh, the possessed miners, I should say, have already made their way. They see them, so they're making their way towards them. And they're like, what are we going to do? And actually, and Ice Cube's like, load up. Or he says something like, you know, a one-liner. And yeah. then he comes running down the hill and he's got like two machine guns in his hand and he's like making that like Ice Cube angry face and like shooting at people and just i don't know it it whatever he was selling i wasn't buying what's not clicking what's not clicking i think it's because i don't they set up desolation williams to be like this ultimate badass who can fight through anything they found him through anything and when it comes down to like the actual sequences i'm like how did you make it this far lieutenant melanie how did you feel about her as the main actress? I didn't care for her either. I didn't really? think she had the chop. I did not think she had the acting chops for the main character. All tea, all shade. She should have been Clay Duvall. Oh, um, oh, I would have died if Clay Duvall played her character. Imagine. Oh, like if they had swapped roles. Mm-hmm. I I would have been here for it, but <laughs> all tea, all shade. Clay Duvall is a typecast actor where she always plays a lesbian. Or like the panicked, anxiety-ridden girl. Because she got the face for it. (laughs) All to I guess. But that was, okay. So I'm glad that we're talking about both their characters. Because Lieutenant is supposed to be like a druggie. And they're constantly referring to her like, are you high right now? Or at one point, Ice Cube tells her, like, you're high right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. She does not look high at all. She's got a highlighter on. She's got blush. She's got concealer on. Mm. I mean, her pupils were hella dilated. And I love the way... I didn't see that. I mean, and I love that Ice Cube's just like, yeah, you're a cop. All you cops are dirty. Like, I know you're high right now. And I was like, yes, read her. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't care for... I didn't like what she brought to the character is what I should say. Um, I don't think... Maybe to the exhaustion, maybe. It was the drugs, bitch. Are you high right now? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? She was like walking in there on an ambient, it felt like. Because it's even stupid. like even like moments that were supposed to be like intense or she was supposed to be getting angry, I felt like she wasn't even like 
I feel like Fair. she was giving me like 50%. See, I didn't mind her as a main character. I just didn't like that they kept trying to push her as like this druggy. And I just didn't, I'm like, in what universe is this beautiful blonde woman who looks like she's never taken a single drug in her life supposed uh, to be a druggie? This universe, bitch. You know how many people here in LA run on pills and caffeine? Tea. All tea, all shade. It just, it, I liked her. I don't think she was the best and probably wouldn't have been my like first pick, but I thought she was, she served, she's serviceable. She's, she did it. She, she handled what she was supposed to handle. She was to the caliber of the rest of the cast. I'll say that. Well, no, I will, I will, I will leave it at that. I will leave it at that. <laughs> so I want to touch upon the makeup in this movie because we touched upon it with the like body horror, but I really mm-hmm. cannot overstate how good the Martian design was. Like the main Martian guy, the one that they explode, the one that leads the whole pack, the main guy on the cover, the one you can see his face. I loved his design, even though in my notes, I straight up put cannibalistic Marilyn Manson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to say that that describes him perfectly. (laughs) Um, So for those who don't know, please Google it and look at the images. Um, But the, the main, like, I guess, quote unquote, like demon guy or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, He does look like a cannibalistic uh, Marilyn Manson. He's got here for like all white makeup, long stringy black hair, black lips, um, they, I forgot to say, like, while they're, like, mutating or whatever, they tend to sharpen their own teeth, which is disgusting, by the way. So he's got these razor-sharp teeth, and then he's got these crazy, like, almost tribal, like, designs around his eyes. He looks pretty horrifying, and he's, like, beefy. He's muscular. Like, he looks like a bodybuilder mm-hmm. that would well, slam me against the wall. they try to take him down towards the end when they have that giant like war because the train's not there and they have to go back they have to backpedal this movie does a lot of backpedaling they literally go back in the train (laughs) they it's a lot of flashbacks backs and backs 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 bus club another club another club so when they're fighting through that army and they're going to that sequence was maybe one of my favorites besides the jail sequence when they're like tearing through everybody is when they're like in the wars and they're just like slashing and hacking at everybody Mm -hmm. um where jason statham i i have to comment that i feel like jason statham was kind of underused in this movie granted his character is nothing and just like a horny guy who just wants to fuck and girl i would have done it go sit in his lap (laughs) fuck yeah (laughs) No, I agree. His his character was uh, horribly underutilized. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, what he, he was so up and coming. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, he was so up and coming as an actor. Um, but yeah, he was horribly underutilized. I would have liked mm-hmm. to see more of him. Um, I don't know if he was doing any of his own stunts. Is he a stuntman? I think he does a lot of his own stunts. So he's probably doing a lot of his own stunts in bed. Yes. Um, I, however, want to touch on. The production design because mm-hmm. I feel like or I should say I know that they built that like whole mining town from scratch including mm-hmm. that train station and a whole train bitch I mean granted it was like futuristic looking and it wasn't like what the train was a miniature model did you know that oh was it? well but there's another one that they actually get on isn't there well yeah that was the sound stage but the train itself was a miniature model so all of the train sequences of it going through mars going into the station they're all mini they're all minis but there's also a, a larger one isn't there because they actually filmed them getting on and it taking on oh yeah mm-hmm. so sure. yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm just saying from a production from a, a production designer standpoint i was impressed because like wow like those are some pretty major sets that they had to build from scratch you are right the production is amazing it has vibes of the thing for me instead of it being like blue tones it's red tones yeah um and that also goes down to the ghost possession thing because it jumps from body to body and that's Mm -hmm. one of the neater aspects it really does feel like a john carpenter quilt that is the best way to put that i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to uh, title this episode john carpenter quilt I know I'm not supposed to take this movie seriously. And I know I keep trying to read too much into it. But why would you kill all of these Martians if you know they're going to jump on your body? And that's how we kept losing people was because yeah. they kept getting possessed. I'm not going to take too hard on it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take too hard about it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. 
<clears throat> but yeah, I mean, that's essentially how it happens. And then they thought it'd be a good idea to go back and kill everybody. I don't know. I mean, what's going to happen to all those spirits when you kill everybody? That's how we end it. Because we're supposed to like end all things. We've already lost a shit ton of people. And we're going to blow up the remaining of these mines because we don't want all these these guys to come back. And they do, but in the process, we we lose. So we lose about half the cast halfway through. And then the remaining half, we lose the last half of that group within literally like two minutes. Everybody dies really, really fast. And everybody yeah, gets beheaded. Everybody gets beheaded in this movie. Oh, I love when they start throwing those like uh, saws. Yeah, that was fun. Super cool. Like weird, creepy boomerang things. And then they try to explode it. They explode it. They try to blow up the mines, and they do. But like, that's what I—that's what I mean. Like, I don't get. That's a huge pothole because if they blow up all of the Martians there, they're gonna go find new souls anyway. They're gonna find new bodies anyway. Which is, I guess, what happens because then at the end of the movie, like after the lieutenant has finished giving her, um, what do you want to call it? What do they Council call it when, when it's meeting? when it's in court and you give a a briefing? I guess it's like a briefing or whatever. She gives sure. her story. She tells her story in court. After that's done, she's like at home or whatever. She's still in a holding cell and she hears all this commotion going outside. And so she gets up and she's getting ready for work. She's putting on her uniform. And then all of a sudden, Ice Cube busts through the door. And he's Which got also two... doesn't make sense. <laughs> he's got like two shiny ass, like metallic, futuristic looking machine guns. And he's like, are you ready? And she's ready. And he, to- he tosses her a gun. They're going to go out and fight the rest of these demons. But remember, she's like, you'd make a great cop. And he's like, well, yeah, you'd make a great thief. And they're like, Nah. nah. Let's do what we do best. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> that's the end of the movie. It this is movie, such a corny ending. It's a very, very corny ending. But that's this whole movie. And I, so anyone's listening, I know we're critiquing it and we're like going a little hard on it, but it's uh, Ghost of Mars. Come on, yeah. It's not exactly award winning stuff. You heard the reviews on it. At the yeah. end of the day, Yes, it has these plot holes. Yes, it doesn't exactly achieve what it's trying to achieve. But because it is a John Carpenter quilt and because it's just fun and stupid, I really like this movie. At the end of the day, it doesn't f-ing matter, okay? The bitch is safe, leave her the f-ing alone. I really like this movie. It's one of my favorites. Oh, absolutely one of my favorites. Do you want to give your review? No, you give your rating first and then I'll get mine. So uh, this one was hard to do. I did, so my first time watch, I went in with a blank slate. I knew not to take this movie seriously. And I think if you go in with that mind frame going into the movie, you'll enjoy it way more. So out of five, I gave it a three out of five. Because yes. I think it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. We're talking weird possession ghosts with really sick ass special effects. And it's Ice Cube being ridiculous. And it's John Carpenter just kind of at the end of his rope. But having a, it feels like fun. <laughs> fun. It feels like so much yeah. fun. I, okay, okay, let's go for mine. I, I think I have to agree. And I kind of had to like up you a little bit. Oh. I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Oh. Are you? Um, <laughs> I, for some, so obviously, like John Carpenter is my my holy grail, and mm-hmm. so like along with Halloween, and so not only that, like not just because it's John Carpenter, but I watched this as a kid for some reason. You have that, like you have the nostalgia factors on, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just I really like it for some reason. If you guys just like go into it, like you said, like it just being like a fun popcorn movie. Like, I think you'll have a good time with it. It's got action. It's got great makeup Cheesy effects, one-liners. Cheesy one-liners. And I totally forgot. The lieutenant gets possessed at one point, remember? We she gets possessed. I'm so we sorry. Didn't... We're horrible so she... podcasters. Boo! You stink! She gets possessed at one point in the jail. And so he takes out one of her fucking pills and puts sense. it and puts it in her mouth and says, this ought to take care of whatever's in there. And it does. The fucking drugs or acid, whatever the fuck you want to call it, she's taking 
Helps like the possession. That, yeah, it battles the possession in her body. And then it like all of a sudden the possession escapes her through her mouth. And she's okay now. And she makes she has to make her way back into the building and prove to everybody that she's okay. So why didn't everybody just take the pills? <sighs> That's a good question. I have a Pot lot plot holes even with its plot holes and its ridiculousness somebody drugged someone so they she can get over her possession like this is the type (laughs) of movie we're talking about and it i still stand by three and three out of five i don't agree with a three and a half out of five i think that's being very generous (laughs) (laughs) what can i say i'm a generous person sure absolutely in bed Any last comments, notes you'd like to give for the fabulousness that is Ghost of Mars? I think, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're either A, a fan of horror or a a queer person or a John Carpenter fan. Um, And I feel like if you're any of those, this is the movie for you. It's got it Mm -hmm. all. It's got queers with Pam Greer and Clay Duvall. It's got horror and it's got John Carpenter. It's got it this all. This club's got um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, definitely go into it with low expectations. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a like we like we've been saying. It's just it's a fun movie. So go See, into it with I that don't, mentality. Don't even go with any expectations. Have no expectations. Smoke the fattest bowl that you humanly can, and then just yes. watch some just ridiculousness unfold. Because it for a ninety-eight minute movie, it just it was both the perfect amount of time and the fastest amount of time. We got in, we got out, but there's a shit ton of flashbacks. Yeah, it's a pretty easy movie to breeze through, especially after smoking a fatty. So, mm-hmm. I mean, pop some popcorn, roll a blunt, and go on a ride to Mars. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Everyone, that was Ghost of Mars. I hope you enjoyed our this ridiculous goddamn movie. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs> Dropping next week at the Carpenter Queen's video store is the home invasion slasher terror event, The Strangers from 2008. This movie will terrify you to the bone. I know, I'll be a complete mess. I have a lot of feelings about this movie. (laughs) A lot of feelings, and I need to talk about all of them. So come on down to your local stoner VHS rental store and pick up a copy. It's currently streaming on Amazon Prime or Peacock with ads. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on The Carpenter Queens. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, The Carpenter Queens as well. Uh, my personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photo. My personal account is at STFU Ray on all platforms. And please like, comment, subscribe on wherever you're streaming our pod uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcaster, wherever you get your goods. And we hope we will see you on the next one. See you on the flip side. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye, bye. <laughs>